0: hey friends welcome to the wild and free podcast where we combine our love of great coffee with an even greater purpose to make a difference in the lives of those affected by human trafficking i'm twyla owner of wild ginger coffee and host of these life-changing conversations Today you are listening in on a conversation that I have been so looking forward to. Theola Fry grew up on a Mennonite farm between Waterloo and Elmira, but she has lived in four different countries outside of Canada and now calls Constoke, Ontario home. She has a BA in English Lit and is currently working on her Masters of Education, all while using her vast experience working in the ESL world in her newest role as ESL coordinator for the local anti-human trafficking organization, Fight for Freedom. When she is not doing all of the things, you can find her honing her sport climbing skills, which she tells me is simply indoor rock climbing, uh, so that she can eventually get outside and start climbing some real rock, her words. Leola is fun and wise and has walked through some valleys and seen some mountaintops on her journey to where she is today, and I'm 100% convinced that you are going to be inspired by this conversation. So, let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Leola Fry. I honestly don't even know how we met each other. I was trying to figure this out the other day and I think we just have a lot of mutual friends essentially that maybe we don't actually know each other at all. We just think we do. But anyway, welcome. We'll go with that. I mean, do you remember where we would have met? I I don't know. We have to talk about just two things before we actually head into the interview um, because I was honestly died laughing when you sent me your information for your intro and you had two things on there. And the first thing we need to talk about is uh, languages. And then the second one is your feet. Um, And it's only because I relate on so many levels. So the languages one is that you have studied, I don't know, what did you say, four languages? And but you're fluent in none.
1: Yes. And basically like, honestly, I yes can't I've I've lost all of my tie so
0: <laughs> I've like I've tried to learn so many like lang- like different languages I've even been immersed in them and I walk away and five minutes later I don't remember anything and so also same and um and then feet so you said that you have um interesting feet and I also do where mine are like Really small? You said your feet are small, right? Like, really small? Correct. (laughs) And so mine are also small and like one foot they're like is like differently shaped than the other foot. It's so strange. But one time my work shoes were sitting in my front hallway and a friend came over and he like took one work look at my work boots and he was like, what child works here? So (laughs) I feel you on the foot thing so um you're you're not alone in that anyway i mean i'm sure that there's nothing else you would want us to know about you other than those two things but if you could if there's anything else um you can just go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners who is leola
1: okay yeah so i'm leola fry and on a more serious note or yeah <laughs> day-to-day note other than my feet and my languages. (laughs) A big thing about me is my love for culture. And that comes from my experiences of living abroad and also with my work as an English teacher. I have a lot of sarcasm and I am known to be full of a lot of opinions and so At times, if you don't know me well, I can come across as probably arrogant or thoughtless because my mouth probably moves faster than my brain trying to work on it. But the reality is, though, that I do care deeply for people, and that's probably why I have gotten into the work I am in. I don't like to see people in pain. I value relationships, friendships. And then also, I love randomness, love fun in life as well. So, that sounds about right, based on what our mutual friends um,
0: <laughs> have uh, have led me to believe.
1: Um, so, how do you fill your days? Uh, right now, my days are filled with a lot of staring at a computer screen um, with the work <laughs> I'm doing right now. It's a lot of research and planning and a lot of virtual meetings and through covid there was way too much youtube and netflix watching and (laughs) now trying to find ways to connect with people now that we can be out and about more and then also i have two sisters that live up in Perry sound so my job is more flexible so Mm. it's easier to get away for a few days to get up there but yeah my days are actually fairly not super exciting on the day-to-day <laughs> basis
0: so you you currently work um for an organization called fight for freedom if that's correct i mean that's right here in kitchener waterloo can you just tell us a little bit more about um that organization and
1: yeah so I'll just take some of my information straight off of their website because I feel like that's easiest to explain it (laughs) and made makes less work for me as to try to figure out how to explain it. But no, Um, Fight for Freedom is an anti human trafficking nonprofit organization. And um, Their goal is to be an active voice and an advocate of justice for the individuals that are impacted by sex industry and trafficking, and then also to be able to assist these individuals in helping them find necessary support systems and yeah, be a support for them on their journey of healing and restoration and a lot of this is done through what fight for freedom calls their four arms so they focus on education and that's a lot of research and building awareness so they do a lot of presentations in churches in schools at different organizations just to continue building awareness of the topic of trafficking and um the sex industry They do focus right now, mostly within Canada, but we do have a team in the Philippines and have a team just starting in Chicago as well. So it is very North American based Mm. at this time. That's cool. Yeah, it is. But also, just myself, I'm realizing how little people are aware of it, especially Mm. within a Canadian context. And so just how necessary that building awareness is. And then they have, or we do outreach. And so that's the actual contact with individuals going to locations where um, sex work trafficking is known to happen and trying to make contact with individuals. And then survivor care, which is more of the aspect of caring for individuals that are wanting to leave the industry or who have left and need support and then fight for freedom also partners with different organizations that are working within the same field or with the same focus because um yeah there's a big need and so Mm -hmm. through partnerships we're able to provide better support better care or more people so that Mm -hmm. kind of sums up what fight for freedom is about
0: yeah, I didn't know that they had um, expanded like outside of the Kitchener Waterloo area. That's that's really neat. Like, I think it's becoming quite a large organization, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're they have grown. And yeah, like when I first started trying to find like you know anyone in this area who was working with women in the industry, and I'm I'm also not very good at using Google, so that's probably partially on me. But I could not find anyone. And they were out there, like, Fight for Freedom was out there, there were people, but it's it's just so hard, it hasn't been well, you know, communicated, people don't know what's available, people barely even know that it happens in our community, let alone what resources there are, so... Maybe just tell us a little bit about how you got connected with them, and and what your various roles <laughs> have been to to now.
1: Well, that depends. Do you want the long version or the short version <laughs> of how I got connected with them?
0: <laughs> I always want the long version, but I mean, we should like keep it to like an hour, so you know you you feel free.
1: <laughs> well, for like the fight for freedom, focus the sex industry trafficking. As a young adult, that was never, ever anything on my radar as far as work that I would do. I thought I wanted to work with children. And by now, most of my friends who hear me say that, they laugh in my face and are like, yeah, no, (laughs) I love kids, (laughs) absolutely love them (laughs) and have nieces and nephews I love spending time with but Mm. I'm always happy to let mom and dad take over when the time comes up but yeah so same girl I had uh, yeah I had heard of a they called it a nanny program in Thailand actually and so it was for children waiting to be adopted and women were going over to be caregivers and they nannies for these children And I thought that yes, that's what I wanted Mm -hmm. to do. And worked at getting there. And eventually did a vision trip for a month to see what the ministry was like. And it was (laughs) not a very good month. We'll put it that way. And absolutely. (laughs) The kids were lovely. (laughs) The people I was interacting with were great but the whole month i was like i can't do this i can't do this why in the world did i think i could do this but through that then i actually ended up teaching in thailand instead for a american family that was there on on missions and so yeah started teaching for them But still had a lot of contact with these women caring for the kids. And through them heard a lot of different stories of the mothers of these Mm -hmm. children. And a lot of these stories included or had some connection to the sex industry. And just living in Thailand as well. Mm -hmm. It's not hidden. You can't Mm -hmm. live in Chiang Mai, the city I lived in and not um, be aware of the sex industry, or I would say it's very hard to, (laughs) maybe you Mm -hmm. could, I'd say it's hard to. And so through this, my thinking really started to shift. And yeah, I would thought a lot about these women, the lives they were living. And the more I heard, the longer I lived there, the more I just had this feeling building in me that like, I have to do something you know, I have to do something for these women. And, and it doesn't um, leave
0: you alone, even if you don't know what the heck it is you're supposed to do.
1: Correct. <laughs> I have same page. <laughs> I have clear images still of me sitting places where I was wrestling with this. I have to do something. But it was like, what in the world can I do? I mean, I was young, mm-hmm. I was 21 at that time. So and pretty naive, to be honest. (laughs) But um, I did eventually, I started having conversations with a few people. And the one lady was like, Hey, well, let's go talk to this other person that she knew, like, she would probably be a good source for you to connect with. So went and talked with this lady and there on the spot, she's like, oh, well, she just got all excited because she knew of this Canadian couple that was working at starting up a home for women with AIDS. And I remember standing there. We were standing in a circle, the three of us, and just thinking, whoa, okay, let's like slow down here a little bit. This is not... What I was signing up for like looking into helping women in the sex industry is one thing adding on the whole HIV AIDS thing. That's a whole nother world but she said that they were looking for a volunteer someone that could possibly kind of be a connection because they were they'd be in Thailand for six months and then be back in Canada for six months. So they wanted someone that could be a little bit of a language person. So at one point, I was fairly fluid in Thai, but it's completely out the <laughs> door now. But yeah, I freaked out. I was like, uh-uh, this is not what I'm doing. But wrestled with it, prayed about it, and could not sleep for many nights and just had no peace about it. Like, I kept saying, no, I'm not doing this. But finally, it was like, okay god if this is what you want me doing this is what i'll do and that's when i finally was at peace and so i did i started volunteering with new rain this home Mm -hmm. for women with hiv aids and the women there uh some of them came directly out of the sex industry And some of them had a more indirect connection to the industry, either through husbands, partners, things like that. But all of them were in some way affected by the industry. So yeah, I was there for four years and um, just saw continued to see the devastation and impact that the industry has on individuals. And often felt like, what in the world am I doing here? (laughs) And would continually pray like, okay, God, I don't know what I'm doing. But um, repeatedly prayed, God, just fill me with your love for these women. And he Mm -hmm. did. And I really see that time as being very much a grooming time that God used in my life to continue to build his love in me. His care in me for people within the industry, um, people that are victims of trafficking, stuff like that. After about four and a half years, I returned to Canada. Didn't have a clue what I was going to do, but knew God was telling me to go to to go back to Canada. Ended up getting my bachelor's and certification for. Or teaching English as a second language instructor. Absolutely loved the work. It combined my love of culture and stuff. But my experiences in Thailand definitely continued to stick with me and were always in the back of my mind. And then, yeah, sometime in my, I think I was still a student or had just very recently graduated, a friend mentioned to me about, a presentation she saw that was going to be happening on the University of Waterloo campus. And she said it's a presentation that a Christian anti-human trafficking organization is putting on. They're based here in Canada. And so we went together. And that was the first time that I was introduced to Fight for Freedom and the work that they were doing and they gave different ways that people could be involved. I didn't start right away, but a couple of years later, I signed up as a volunteer, volunteered with the Kitchener Waterloo outreach team, and then also signed up as a volunteer with their education team to help with research and the plan was also to do some presentations, but then COVID hit and kind of cut off presentations <laughs> for a while. And then, yeah, September 2020 is when they approached me and asked me if I would consider coming on as staff to start an English as a second language program, because they were seeing more and more in some of the outreach places that individuals had little to no English and they were recognizing there was a need for them as an organization to be able to offer English classes to these individuals. And after a lot of wrestle again and contemplation, I eventually said yes and started that position in February of 2021. That is, like, just an
0: insane journey. But also, I feel like it's just so important for people to hear, you know, the whole thing and the, like, you know, all well, I didn't have a clue about it and then oh there was this thing over here and I just learned about it but then, you know, and then I thought I should do something but I didn't know what to do and it was overwhelming and then God told me to do something and I didn't want to do it and I think so many of us, we, we're like we can place ourselves at different points in our lives in one of those spaces and so often we just, you know, stop and and quit and give up and don't don't do anything um, Because we think that we can't do enough. And that's, you know, kind of the premise of our podcast is, like, doesn't matter. You don't have to build an enormous organization like Fight for Freedom. Like, you, you know, sitting, you know, at, the, at your wits end being like, Lord, I need to figure out how to love these women and I can't do it without you is about as good a place to start. Like, you know, you might as well not do anything else if you don't have that in the first place. So he, I think, like, we go on these kind of, journeys towards we don't really know where we're where we're going to end up or how you know maybe it doesn't feel like it's the thing that we've always wanted to do but at the same time like now you find yourself in this position which is super cool um being able like it's combining like all these little pieces of your life like where you have like you have the education like you have your ba like you've done all you've all this experience um working with like esl um students and then you have your experience with people abroad who don't speak english you know and and it's all kind of coming together into this like space and i don't know if it's what you what you dreamed that would look like when you first you know saw the horrifying evidence of what was happening in thailand um i don't know if this is what you thought it would come to but i just think it's it's so cool that like you have just kind of kept walking towards it even when it was like i don't a i don't want to do this or like b i don't know how to do this um so i think that's really awesome and so when you joined the um the first thing you did like you joined the outreach team um and uh so that's where you guys would make like actually go to you know, places where where women would be working and, and have contact with them. I remember the first time I walked into a club as a girl from Milbank and was like, we're not in Millbank anymore. Um, I guess I I just am always so curious about, um, it's for real, like the first, like walking through, you know, the doors of that club or whatever the space looked like where you were, you know, interacting with women in it you know, in a situation that, quite frankly, we can't understand, Um, we don't, but, you know, you went in there being like, I already love these women, but I don't know who they are. And what was that like, just to like, get your foot through the door?
1: Yeah. Very curious over here. Uh, Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had actually signed up to be a prayer warrior for the team. So, I didn't go into the clubs a whole lot. I've actually only been in one time, but in a way I feel like it helped prepare me because I, for months I was praying for these women before I Mm. actually went into the club to see them. But at the same time, like the hardest part was just the unknown. Um, Mm. I mean, my team leader did well to prepare me, but I was so scared of saying the wrong thing. And I think Mm. probably my biggest fear was either saying something offensive or um, saying something that sounded really judgmental and Mm. that would possibly break any hope of continual contact with Mm. that individual and so for me the fear wasn't so much as you know what am i going to see what is it going to be like Mm -hmm. inside it was more please don't let me do anything that's going to screw this up
0: Mm -hmm. oh like a hundred percent it just every time it just it's like please like don't let anybody think that and you and and that's the funny thing is like you can't control what anybody thinks like you can be on your you know so careful with your words and everything and if somebody's not in a good place they can you know read it the wrong way but it is it's a very real thing and that fear of whether it is of the unknown or of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing can like hold us back from doing it at all like those are just very real things to have to process can you share like maybe some of the most rewarding moments or maybe some of the more challenging moments um of your involvement with women in the industry. I mean, it's in, been in very various ways. I didn't even know about your involvement with them in Thailand, so that's cool, you can that in. But um, yeah, what have been some of the things that have been rewarding, and, and what have been some of the things that have maybe just felt really hard or, or hopeless even?
1: Yeah, so I think to answer this, I'll go back to my Thailand days, just because like I said, I haven't had as much direct mm-hmm. involvement yet with women here but the most rewarding for me it has definitely always been um watching the lives be restored like for numerous women i have a picture of their first day coming to the new rain home and just the well the fear number one because they had no idea what they were stepping into but also just like a a heaviness on them. Mm. Devastation. I mean, some of them, their stories are, yeah, heart wrenching. But then over time, just watching as they start to feel safe, as they start to understand that they have worth, to see like genuine joy to hear their infectious laughs i still have um the laugh of the one dear lady she was a very short petite lady but she had just the most contagious laugh and like i can still hear that in my head and yeah and so seeing that transformation in their lives was so rewarding but then on the other hand the most challenging or the most painful then was the loving and letting go. And so these women came to New Rain, but they weren't required to stay. They had, you know, as much as we wanted them to stay at least until they had a good alternative um, living option. But some of them chose to leave long before they had good alternatives and so they left you knew that they were walking out into unhealthy potentially dangerous situations and yet needing to just let them go and then a number of these women that left did end up passing away during my time when i was still in thailand and i'd say attending their memorial services was probably Mm -hmm. some of the most difficult experiences of life just because it was hard not to take on a lot of guilt and feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, could I have done something better? Or Mm -hmm. did I do something that made them want to leave? Or what could we have done Mm
0: -hmm. to
1: make them feel like they want to stay at New Rain and having to learn to not take all of that responsibility on myself,
0: mm-hmm. but at
1: the same time, really grieving mm-hmm. their um, deaths. Because, yeah, it wasn't just a job. The women at the New Rain home became dear friends, they were my Thai fr- family. Um, mm. But like i said they were also adult women and they were free to make their own choices no matter what the outcome of that was going to be that's
0: so that's so tough like i like i'm sitting here trying to imagine without crying how that would you know would feel to stand you know next to a you know a a gravesite or whatever it is of of someone that you have just tried to like pour your heart and soul into and and something that you know you thought like this is good like we're gonna you know we're gonna be able to help them and then and then it it's just like this is something that is there are things we can do but there's also so much of it that's out of our control and yeah and and I think there has to be I don't know I feel like the only thing that kind of gives hope in that moment is that like you did what you could within the time that you had and and it is that like that letting go letting go as they walk out the door but also letting go of of that how could i have yeah like you said just the guilt and the, the heaviness i'm putting it on your own shoulders when it's like ultimately they're a child of god right and and uh like they're his his daughters and and he knows better than any of us you know but I I honestly like thank you for sharing that I can't imagine how difficult that would be um when they're like family
1: it has helped I mean I carried it with me for years but Mm -hmm. it has helped me in the past few years in understanding that unfortunately this cycle of leaving the industry and returning, leaving and returning for, it's not uncommon Mm -hmm. for that to happen multiple times for an individual before they are able to leave permanently. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of the women that had chosen to lead New Reign and go back into unhealthy situations were women that had been either trafficked or working within the industry in some way. And so that has helped me to understand that, you know, it's a lot more than just what we did or Mm -hmm. didn't do. But yeah, it's still hard to...
0: It's still it's Watch people and
1: walk out the door, yeah,
0: yeah and and not be able to to do anything about it, you know but but pray for them really is you know at that point um, how has your perspective or heart changed from um before being involved you know kind of on the front lines or or being involved in the capacity that you are now um are there things that you've learned I mean obviously you've already shared. A lot of the things that you have learned, but um, maybe like ideas that have shifted, or ways your heart has been softened, or maybe even hardened um, for better for worse by you know things that you've seen or these kinds of experiences, just like you've just shared.
1: Yeah, well, like I mentioned at the beginning, I'm opinionated, <laughs> tend to be a fairly black and white person, and so mm-hmm. um, at the beginning it would have been easy a lot easier for me just to kind of see what was happening and be like how could anyone you know choose that for their life Mm. and definitely over the years um I think having a change of heart a shift in thinking and looking beyond the what of what the person Mm. is doing and looking at the who and trying to see the individual and recognizing that, you know, these are individuals that they're, they're longing for a place to mm. feel love. They're longing for a place to belong. And um, yeah, and so really shifting my judgmental mm. thinking probably to a much more to one that sees these people as individuals and they're so much more than Mm. what you see them doing in this moment Mm -hmm. that's so good and then yeah the other side of that then too is i at times i feel myself i don't know if it's a hardening of my (laughs) heart but it's almost you know so you work, I work in this organization, we have lots of conversations around the realities of the sex industry, human trafficking. And I, I feel the um, the realities of the world, they don't shock me and appall me as much as they would have at one time. It's at times I can feel myself being like, well, you know, this is the reality of it. And and it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, I never want to lose the um the emo I don't know if emotion's the right word, but I never want to get to this place where it just makes that I'm just hardened to it. Like I always want to see these people as individuals who deserve so much more than what they are currently living in. Mm-hmm. So Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if it's, it's,
0: you know, easier to keep that sort of, yeah, that that sort of mindset alive when you, when you, the closer you are in proximity, like the more you get to know them. I, I'm assuming that your time with the women in Thailand, like you were so closely, like they were like family. And when someone's like family, it's hard, it's hard to not see them as an, an individual. And you know what I mean? And I think Sometimes if the issue is a little bit further removed, it's easier for us to just say, well, I, it is what it is, kind of, you know, and, um, and I think that that has been the case for, for most of us in our lives around the issue of human trafficking, simply because we don't know a lot. And we've always kind of assumed it it happens far away. You know, we're not, we're not surprised by it in Thailand, but when someone tells us it happens in Waterloo region, we're like, what? you know and and part of it is just that like <laughs> actually getting to know people and hearing their stories and and you grow like i think that's what you know feeds compassion <laughs> you know it's hard to become you know hardened when you when you hear these these stories and and get to know the people behind them um so just kind of switching a little bit more to your a little bit of your personal story um just because i i think it's really Im- important for people to kind of understand like the last couple years of your life and and kind of where you're where you're the place that you're serving from um you have had to walk through some pretty difficult things in the last few years i mean yes on top of the things you have already just mentioned um and uh yeah things that i think most of us would use perhaps as an excuse um to not you know, be involved or not to use our gifts or to reach out or to do something. And yeah, if you're if you're comfortable with that, if you um, would mind sharing, you know, briefly what that journey has been like, and and maybe what you would say to one of our listeners who feels limited in some way or held back um, and doesn't know where to start.
1: Yeah, sure, definitely. Um, I feel like I'm still processing a lot of the last number of years and i don't in any way feel like i'm an expert on yeah how to step out and serve even when you're feeling limited because i have had many days of not being in a good place ask my parents i live in the same house as them and they would probably tell you that Yeah, Leola is not always this person that's out doing this and that and the other thing. Like she's been, like I said, locked in her room watching too much YouTube and Netflix because I just didn't have energy or motivation or didn't have any sort of whatever in me to live life or do more. But um, yeah, the past number of years have definitely been full of change in plans, a lot of confusion, um ton of pain and i would say the beginning beginning of it all was back in 2017 when i moved home from china so i had a few years before that just after i graduated of really feeling like god was pushing me to china i absolutely did not want to go if i was going anywhere back to Asia, it was going to be Thailand. But again, kind of the same with the whole New Reign ordeal and with the fight for freedom um, decision, fought it and had no peace until it was finally like, okay, God, I'll go. And so yeah, I was confident it's what God wanted me to do. So November of 2016, I packed up, I moved. And Eight months later, I was back in Canada for my sister's wedding and I never returned to China other than for about two weeks to pack up my clothes and some of my stuff that were still in my apartment. And yeah, I had left thinking China was where I was going to be for life, but um, for many years before. All of that, I have been dealing with idiopathic intracranial hypertension, which is the big long term for too much fluid around my brain. I totally and So then that. there's just way too much. <laughs> I figured you did, but for yeah. your listeners who may not know what it is, I thought, you know. <laughs> yes, very,
0: very kind of you. Thank you for filling them in. Uh,
1: yeah. So, yeah. Have been dealing with that, but it had been under control for a couple of years before moving to China. And then while I was in China, symptoms returned and yeah, came back for my sister's wedding, had appointments with my specialists again, and I'll never forget my one specialist. I can still picture his face, and I could tell he was trying to tell me in as nice of a way as possible. But basically what he was trying to say is, Leola, you're nuts. Do not think about getting on a plane and going back to live in China until we have this figured out. And so, yeah, I decided not to go back to China and went back to my teaching job here. But over that time, I, again, wrestled with a lot of guilt because there was a lot of this, you know, well, I was so confident it was where God had wanted me to go. And so it was like, should I have fought harder to try and get back to China? Was I just not trusting God enough that, you know, he would take care of me there? Um, So, yeah, that was a really intense time. And for a while, had no thoughts of doing anything other than teaching But it got to a point then where it was like, okay, I have to do something other like I have to do something with life. And that's then when I signed up with Fight for Freedom to be a volunteer. And things were good for about a year. And then in the late summer, the early fall of 2019, I started having some major episodes of spacing out, you could call it. Took numerous trips to the ER and doctors just sort of ignored it. One doctor sent me home and I had an accident driving home that I absolutely don't remember. Um, another time I spaced out while driving on the QEW, did a U turn and drove into. <laughs>
0: I'm like alarmed and you're well- like smiling. <laughs>
1: I don't know. What else do you do, right? I it's know. I've definitely yeah. seen God's protection on my life. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if you ask my mom, she would not be laughing. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I gave her a heart attack because she was with me. But oh, yeah, yeah, like, so yeah, had some bizarre episodes while driving. And eventually, the doctor started taking me seriously and figured out that I was having what they call focal impaired awareness seizures. So they are a non convulsive type of seizure. But they can also be really hard to diagnose or figure out the root cause for. But because of these seizures, my license was suspended. And I was back in a journey of a ton of testing, figuring out what medication would work, what dosages would work to control the seizures. And nothing was working for a long time. Uh, At one point last summer, I guess it would have been, I was having easy three to four seizures a week. Wow. Um, But yeah, so I kept teaching, but like I'd enter every class with this huge fear that I'd have a seizure in front of my students. There was just extreme embarrassment. I mean, I didn't remember the seizures, I had no idea what I was like during a seizure. But when you have people talking about what you were doing and you don't remember it, it's, yeah, it's embarrassing and a little unsettling. Mm -hmm. And I'm a people person. (laughs) So I wanted to be with people. But at the same time, I was scared to be with people because it was like, emotionally, I just can't handle the... Mm -hmm. um, embarrassment if I would have a seizure. And that's like, puts nothing on the people I was around. People were extremely gracious and understanding in all of it. But um, yeah, it was a huge, the sense of losing myself almost. Mm. So for me, in some ways, COVID was a bit of a blessing because it kept us all at home a little more. And so I didn't have these decisions all the time of do I go out or don't die. But then thanks to COVID, by the fall of 2020, I had no work. So I was out of work for about four months. So between dealing with health, my license suspended, (laughs) Hmm. and trying to find work, I was not very pleased with life we'll put it that way (laughs) um and yeah the longer it went that I had to be so dependent on others it just I felt it tearing away my personality it was like I can't sit at home but I don't want to go out and there was just a lot of like why in the world me god like Mm. I'm independent, I'm over 30, like, let me live my life. And I was had gone to feeling like a little kid again, being 100% dependent on my parents. And like I've said, living in a body that was continually betraying me. Mm. But then in all of this is when the invitation came to join fight for freedom as staff. And I was interested. But it, again, was another huge decision because, yeah, there's just so many different aspects to, to it. Trying to get to know a whole group of new coworkers and still being so unsure about my health looked huge. Um, Fight for Freedom is all support-based, so that means staff have to all raise their own support for their um, month financial needs. And I was like, don't want to be doing that. <laughs> and so yeah, took about five months for all of that to get figured out. But again, that was it was just something that as much as I thought it, it was like, you're doing this Leola. This is what God has for you. <laughs> like, you're, like, you're you going well to say yes.
0: Stop eventually. Kicking and screaming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as I tell people, I have gotten to a point where I am not saying I will never do something because in life so often it has been those things that God has then (laughs) brought to me and has asked me to do. So I'm trying to not say I will never do something.
0: (laughs) Um, Is this your your advice to the people who are you know sitting at home feeling limited uh never say never (laughs) never say i can never. exactly i will never do that because but but like honestly i think it's i think that i'm gonna interrupt you here because i'm rude no um (laughs) because the never say never like the you know never say never thing is I think it's less about you know God getting pleasure out of giving us what we don't want and more about we make up our minds about things we limit our own selves because how many times do we end up you know doing the thing that for whatever reason whether it was fear or whatever we end up doing it and we're like oh my gosh like this is amazing or I learned so much or I didn't know that I that I would love doing this and when we it's like, God's not like giving us things we don't want. Well, he kind of is, but he's like actually removing the limitations that we have put on ourselves by saying, I refuse to do that. Right. And and we all have things that we feel limited by. And, and for you in the last couple of years, it's been that, you know, fear of having a seizure in front of people and, and the not knowing of not knowing when you were gonna have another one and you know feeling like you had to go back 20 years in your life and start over as a teenager without a license you know it's it's disappointing it's frustrating like we've we've chatted about this before so i'm not you know trying to put words in your mouth this is the thing and i think so many of us can find ourselves there um so easily and i that like never say never is like don't write yourself off as a person who cannot contribute that just kind of hit yeah. me and I was like no that's the thing I think that holds us back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and kind of to add on to that sort of what I was going to end with is the idea that it doesn't have to be big like we often think of serving and stuff as being huge things. And so I think you know, if you are listening to this and you are feeling like you have something that's limiting you in your service, whether it's something physical, emotional, spiritual, Mm. um, you know, take a small step. And you might be thinking right now, yeah, Leola, but you have no clue what it is like for me. And you're right, I don't. I have (laughs) no idea what you're going through. But I've learned a lot about serving doesn't have to be big. For almost two years, I had women from my church who, faithfully drove me to church services and faithfully drove me to the office job that was about three hours a week. Every week, someone would make sure I got there. And when I was so limited in what I could do, being able to get to church and see people was a huge thing. And it might've looked like a very small act of service to, to them, but for me, it was huge. Not having work for four months, that three hours a week of being able to get to work was a big deal for me. Yeah. And I didn't end up at Fight for Freedom in one huge step yeah. either. It's been a lot of different steps along the way. And um, yeah, today, I'm very grateful that God has given me the strength to take the steps. Mm-hmm. But I think I encourage you to Look around and see, you know, is there, if something bigger looks too overwhelming, is there a small way that you can be serving? Um, Hey, the first time, like I said earlier, I've only been in a club once. The first and only time I was in a club for outreach, I had a seizure (laughs) as we were leaving the club. It was extremely embarrassing. Mm. <laughs> Thank goodness clubs got shut down because of COVID, so we haven't <laughs> been able to go back, you know? but um. But...
0: Oh, no, that's that's so good, though. Yeah. I think that, and that's so, so helpful.
1: It might not work out the way you picture, right? Mm-hmm. But um, don't be afraid to try. And yeah. as to finish off this question, a note of praise in June of 2021. I was six months seizure-free, and I did get my license back. So that has been a huge answer to prayer. Amen.
0: Congratulations. I feel like we should just get in a car and drive somewhere just because you can. Like I am down to celebrate that.
1: Um, Oh, believe me. <laughs> I've done a bit of that already but <laughs> gas is kind of expensive so
0: it kind of like puts a little bit of a damper on the like freedom feeling but that would feel huge though. It would, right? Like that's so exciting. Um yeah, thank you for for sharing that. I think that's going to be really encouraging. I mean, honestly for for all of us and something that I've said a lot or we've said a lot around um at Wild Ginger Coffee is that it's not the size of the gift, it's the it's when you put it in the hands of of the giver like when you give it put it into god's hands it actually is when it multiplies it doesn't actually matter how much you put in there (laughs) you know you're giving what it is that he's asked you to give and that may look so small and so insignificant and that's the thing i've said from the beginning is we will celebrate every teeny tiny embarrassingly small gift that we have to give We are not going to wait until we think it's big enough to celebrate what we're able to do now. Um, And I think that, yeah, people are going to be really encouraged by your story. I am, for sure. Um, What is one thing that you have learned um, about the sex industry that you would want people to know or understand?
1: Um, I think this connects back to a little bit of what I've already said, but the understanding that A huge percentage of these individuals are not here because they choose to be. Mm. They've either been coerced into it in some way. And even if they have made that choice to enter it, there's often a lot of other life factors that have played into them making this choice. Yeah, to not jump to conclusions about someone just because of what you see them doing because we have no idea what their story is and the reality is no matter what their story God loves them that's so good
0: Um, if somebody would want to find out more about fight for freedom um, or get involved um, how would they go about that or what are some of the ways that people can can help
1: yeah, so a good way for finding more out about Fight for Freedom is the website fightforfreedom.ca, and that's the number four. And then, yeah, volunteering. Um, a lot of the different departments are always looking for volunteers. So if someone is interested but they're like, outreach, oh, no, I absolutely couldn't do that. A lot of the other departments have more um, – some administrative volunteer positions or other ways that people can volunteer for them. And then of course, there's always the financial giving, but but more important, praying. Um, Prayer is such a big thing. And it does, it works.
0: And if people um, want to support you in your role as, let me see if I get this right. But the ESL coordinator, is that that's your current role, something like that. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> woo, nailed it. Um, if they want to financially support you in that, um, yeah, a way that people can can get in touch with you personally regarding that, or is that also through the website?
1: They can either get in touch with me. My email is Leola at FightForFreedom.ca, but also giving is available through the website and so if they want it specifically to go to me is that they make sure they specify that it's for Leola. perfect
0: awesome well we're gonna get to our very last question because this is a wild ginger coffee podcast we have to ask you um if we could have your coffee just the way you like it or heaven forbid tea or whatever it is that you like to drink um if you could have it exactly the way that you like it who would you be drinking it with where would you drink it when and um oh i think that was all of them who what where when yes i should know this by now
1: (laughs) well first of all i'm pretty sure you want to get me in trouble i'm just really hoping (laughs) not many of my friends are listening to this because Do you know how hard it was to think about who I would want to be drinking (laughs) Uh, a cup of coffee with?
0: Alone, so I just offended everyone at once.
1: Um, Not alone, because to me, coffee is a social thing. It has Mm -hmm. to be with someone. Probably if someone would be paying the flight, it would be, you know, in Asia somewhere with some of my Asian friends. And what would I be drinking? I would be drinking a Thai iced coffee from my favorite stand in a market in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Basically, it's a bit of very strong coffee and lots of sugar and sweetened condensed milk and milk. The other option would be to take, you know, some of my Asian friends and the coffee and go to Sweden because that's like, on my to travel list, and we um, could. Have I'm not it together Asian, there, but can so. I come? I'll bring my coffee. I'm um, sure. Be I'll be the barista. I've always wanted to go to Switzerland. Any time of year, it has to be iced coffee. Like, really? The coldest day of the winter. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: I am so fascinated by that, and I don't know why. What? I will- awesome.
1: I will do the occasional hot drink, but I don't really like hot drinks. So it has to be cold. And unfortunately, (laughs) I am getting to the age where if I drink it after about 2pm, it needs to be decaf. But other than that, you know, (laughs) any time of day.
0: Well, Leola, this has been a lot of fun. And I've super enjoyed just getting I mean, I knew bits and pieces about you know, everything, but really I just selfishly wanted to have this conversation so I could get a better idea. No, I I think everyone's really gonna um, enjoy this conversation. Um, Thank you for taking the time to do this. I find your story to be and you yourself as a person to be very inspiring. Um, You don't ignore the hard things, but you also don't use them as an excuse um, to just give up and I could not be more excited for you in this season like with your car keys also but just with all the things um that the Lord is bringing your way um I just I want to bless you in what you're doing and encourage you that um the Lord has so much for you and I I'm willing to bet that there have been days where it felt like he has taken much (laughs) um
1: yes (laughs) but
0: you you lack no good thing <laughs> um and yes he's restoring that and and he's using you every single moment of every single day um in all of your interactions and, and everything that you're doing um so thank you for being faithful in your little corner of the world which is very close to my world which is fun
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: Were you inspired at all by Leola's story today? We would love to hear from you. Let us know how it's impacted you. Maybe um, your heart has been stirred or an old dream or passion's coming to life in one of the areas where you have felt limited or like you cannot give enough. I am here to tell you that you do have something to give. And if you are looking for a place to start small, go and purchase some of our coffee at wildgingercoffee.com. It does make a difference in the lives of women exiting the sex industry right now. That is in um, João Pessoa, Brazil. It might feel small, but no gift is ever too small, and it is offered with great love. Thanks for being part of the Wild and Free family. See you next time.